is good, everybody. Alabama needing nearly every second of the clock to take down Mississippi State, giving us all heart attacks in the process, but now they escape Starkville, and we enter the last couple weeks of the season. Episode 20, year three, Pat's interference. You know the drill by now. We break down the game, talk everything Alabama football. What can you expect in these final two regular season games? Nice, neat, tidy for you. Got a good one for you. Don't go away. You're listening to Pat's Interference. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is year three, episode 20 of Pat's Interference. This is the Bama episode uh, going over the exciting Mississippi State game. Was it too exciting? Was it just enough? Was it exactly what Alabama needed? We're going to go over that and so much more. I am Patrick Norwood. I'm Patrick Rickman. Hope everyone's having a good week so far. We're getting kind of into the uh, do-or-die time of the college football season, and um, that's exactly what this past Saturday was, dude. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I think it was a little bit closer. I knew it was going to be close-ish. That's why I told people all week, is that I thought it was going to be a game that was somewhat close. Uh, I, I thought it would be more of a uh, Alabama's up by a touchdown going into the fourth quarter and then kind of blows the doors off the whole thing. Not a score with 29 seconds left to win it. Um, hey, but 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 and I think you were on to it there when you were saying that you thought it would be close because um, we'll get into the game completely in a minute because I didn't want to talk about us for a second. But I also want to say, you look at the history, Alabama traditionally is prone to a letdown the week after LSU. I don't know why. Yes, but the struggle. week after LSU is always like this. I think it's I think it's an emotional game. The LSU game's an emotional game and it takes a lot out. You know, obviously it's it's a little disheartening to see two weeks after a bye that this team looked so tired going into the fourth quarter. But you gotta remember all the players that are injured and things of that nature, which we're gonna go into in a bit. But I I don't know. It's it's always it's always something that's sort of badgered this team, especially when they go to Starkville. When it seems like Alabama goes to Starkville, there's just a little bit that the edge isn't there that that urgency isn't really there that there is uh sometimes in uh home games alabama mississippi state but also in other away games throughout the season and not not only that but i mean you know and let's call it what it is mississippi state came to play and they're not a bad team this is a top definitely a top 20 team i think they're probably top 15 with what they showed this past week and and you know that's that's college football. Now, I'm not going to sit here and, and be completely apologetic. I think cause some of the things that happened in the game, um, you know, I'm not a coach. I'm not going to use the word unacceptable, but don't need to keep happening and stuff like that. But it's a it's a good learning experience. Before we get fully into the game, though, uh, you know, how, how have you been doing, man? Uh, busy, man. Busy, busy, busy. Sorry, everybody, for the lack of episodes last week. That is 100% uh, Patrick Norwood's fault. Um We've had uh, one team in the NCAA tournament, one team in the conference championship, and one team finishing up the regular season, two other teams starting their regular season. So with all that kind of going on, uh, plus, you know, personal life stuff going on, nothing bad, just busy. Um, There just wasn't a lot of time to really sit down uh, and lose the sleep and make a, a good episode and make a product that I felt like we would really be able to do. So, again, I apologize. I hope you didn't miss us too much. We definitely missed you guys. Uh, but hopefully we'll make it up this week. Brick, how was your week? Hey, it's not totally your fault. I, you know, I've got high school football playoffs, especially last week being the first round. I had a lot of teams playing and a lot of stuff to, to go. I, you know, I was going in early every day. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, maybe at some point we'll find a point in our lives where we're not like this. That would be nice for my um, 
you know, gray hairs or whatever you want to call them. But, you know, I'm good. I'm very good. Um, about to, uh, you know, start. Okay, I'm gonna just going to bring this up because it's our podcast. Do you like Fruity Pebbles? I'm, a, I'm on the fence. I'm more of a Loops guy. If I'm going to go Fruit Cereal, I'm going Fruit Loops. Okay, well, this is in that same vein, but I think it is. Have you tried these new mystery Oreos? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't, and here's here's why. I'm too much of like a purist when it comes to that type of stuff. When it when it comes to like Oreos or anything like that, I'm just too much of a traditionalist. I need the purest form of whatever it is. Like the 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 wildest I'll go on Oreos is the Halloween ones where they put the orange in the middle, but it's still it it tastes exactly the same. You gotta try these. Listen, I usually don't get them really? either. I you know if it's red velvet or apple pie or or whatever they are. But just somebody told me to get them. It's somebody that I trust, and so I did. Um, and I think they're about to go out of stores. So actually today, uh, the wife went to Walmart while I was at work and got me four more bags. Just stocked up. Okay. We had to stock up because they're limited edition, and they weren't at Publix yesterday, which makes me think they're out at Publix. Walmart's the last place to get them. Yeah, they're well, Publix is the trendsetter. Publix is the trendsetter. We just got a Publix in High Point. They're the trendsetter. It's like where everybody wants to go now. I like how you ask me how I'm doing, and my answer revolves around cereal-flavored Oreos. But, yeah, that's about how my life is going. I'm just not sure. I, I, I don't know. I'll okay, try. while we're on the subject, uh, do you like Mountain Dew Code Red? Yeah, of course. Whiteout's the best flavor of Mountain Dew, but I do like Code Red. So they've got this. I swear Mountain Dew and Oreo aren't sponsoring this podcast. This is just for the viewers and the listeners. Um uh, just little tips. Uh, there's a holiday blend of Mountain Dew that is 50% regular Mountain Dew and 50% Code Red, and that's the perfect mix. Ooh. Oh, it's so good. I've got one right here. No, I, I feel like I need to try that. Maybe I'll have a night where uh, you and I just uh, post up and, and not podcast. We just talk, actually, and, and Ooh, we eat Oreos and drink Mountain Dew, like the good old days. Like we're back in college. Speaking of being back in college, let's talk a little college football. Uh, Alabama knocks off Mississippi State 31-24 in a game that you and I have already talked about a little bit, but it's a little bit closer than maybe we would have liked. Uh, But let's break it down piece by piece, starting with the offense first. Um, Offense seemed to sort of settle in towards the end of the game. Um, Sort of the last, I don't know, eight, seven, eight minutes really seemed like the offense kind of stepped up and sort of got in their groove. For me, Brick, that's that's taking a little bit too long. What do you think was kind of behind their struggles kind of early in the game and then moving on uh, into sort of a good way through the second half? Well, actually, they started kind of strong. Uh, their first drive, they went three and out. Then after that, I want to say they scored on the next two drives. They scored on the two of their first three, and then right. they didn't score again until pretty late in the fourth quarter. Um, and I think a lot of that just kind of had to do with the flow of the game. Uh, you know, Jalen was having trouble getting into a groove. Mississippi State was applying a lot of pressure. Um, there was a couple pretty bad series as far as play calling, one that specifically comes to mind. We keep bringing them up, the three state straight passes after a nice running either drive or gain. Um, and, and, and I think uh, Mississippi State is just the best defensive line we've played this year. I think maybe our team kind of a little bit overlooked Mississippi State if we can, if we can say that. Obviously, um, they knew Auburn beat Georgia earlier in the day. Uh, they just came off LSU. Uh, I'm not going to say they underestimated them completely, but I don't think we were expecting that. Yeah. And, and and just the flow of the game kind of made us have a lull for about a quarter and a half there 
uh, maybe close, maybe closer to two quarters, which um, happens. We had a lot of yards. We had a uh, nearly 500, 450 yards passing and running. Um, uh, no turnovers on the day again. Just, I think really the strength of Mississippi State's defensive line and their blitz packages. We they just they had a really good game plan that kind of caught us up to us after uh, you know those first two scoring drives. Yeah, I there was a lot of blitz packages being thrown in. Um, and this is something that's sort of been a theme. And I think if you go back and if you're an avid listener or this is your first time, you can go back and listen through. And I've kind of mentioned it. Jalen Hurts has an odd ability to either not at all pick up a blitz or pick it up perfectly. There's no in between. Um, there's no place where he just kind of rolls out and throws it away after a blitz. If there's a blitz at the middle, it's either picked up and it's a huge gain and a big play for Alabama, like the touchdown or the pass interference call to Calvin Ridley on the sideline that set up Andy Papanastos letting everyone down again. But there's no in-between. And I, it's it's sort of concerning for me, not enough to really smash the panic button yet, but it, it's something that I think needs to get figured out. And I don't know if it's a Jalen Hurts issue, if it's a Brian Dable issue, or what's going on, but it just feels like there's some sort of disconnect when Jalen Hurts is trying to recognize a blitz. Maybe that's the next step in his progression, because obviously we can both agree he's played much improved football this year, and he's probably playing better football now than he has in his career. Um, He's obviously only got the one turnover on the season. His passing is a good bit better. He's missing far less. He still misses a number of passes, but it's far less than we were last year. And and the offense is moving uh, in chunks better late in the season than it was last year, too. So uh, maybe that's the next step in his progression. Maybe we... maybe. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of excited to see if he gets there. What a Jalen Hurts that can read a blitz package uh, can do. Um, yeah. But what did you like? What was good about the offense for you? I, I thought when Alabama decided to run the ball, it was great um, because it opened up a lot of different parts of the offense. It opened up the middle of the field a lot as far as the passing game was concerned, and we saw that in the last drive. Um, you know, that play works because Mississippi State brought pressure at the middle expecting to stack the box stop a run option which they hadn't been able to do in the past you know two or three drives and it opened up the middle of the field and Devontae Smith got his first reception of the game and ended up being the game-winning touchdown after a great run after the catch uh you know so I I liked that I liked seeing um Bo Scarborough get out um sort of out wide I would like to see that more I feel like we ran the ball uh Alabama ran the ball out wide a lot more uh in this game than in previous games uh and that's something I liked seeing I do not like how often Jalen Hurts is running the ball. I know you want to say something about this, so please go ahead and jump in. Yeah, that's that's my big thing. You know, I I remembered thinking back to the game and thinking we should have run more. Well, actually, I'm probably I was probably off on that sentiment because we ran the ball 38 times. Some of those were sacks, so we'll call it 35 times uh, to um, to 18 passes. I'm fine with that uh, with that ratio. What uh, what really stuck out to me is of those 38 runs, if we're going to call a sack a run, um, 19, so 50% of them were Jalen Hurts. Eight of them were Damian Harris, where if you ask me who I think our best player on offense has been this season, I think it's been Damian Harris, followed very closely by Calvin Ridley. So take half of those runs from Hurt from Hurts, take 10 of those 19, take 9 of those 19, give them to Damian Harris, I think we're moving the ball better. The guy has almost 1,000 yards on the season in under 100 carries. Right. 
he's he's averaging nine yards a carry almost. How does he not get the ball more? I'm not saying he needs to be Derrick Henry and get it 40 times a game. Obviously, we have a lot of very talented running backs. I think they brought Bo Scarborough in at the perfect time in the game, which was in the fourth quarter. Momentum was shifting our way. Uh, they were a little bit winded, and Bo Scarborough was, you know, getting chunk yards until the Ridley catch. Yeah, I just I, think that I love Jalen Hurts' athletic ability. I love his running ability, but our home run threat has been Damian Harris. Yes. Yeah, at one point midway through the third quarter, Alabama's running backs had a combined 10 carries. And that's, yeah, that's, that's just that's unacceptable. That's just unacceptable, and I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing it. When it gets to close games, you know, and another thing that I'm tired of seeing that Alabama got in trouble with last year during the national championship game that I hope doesn't happen again this year is because one running play doesn't get you six yards, that doesn't mean that the run is dead. There's such a, a huge pressure to get away from the run after a first and ten that only gets three yards, and I don't understand it. That's three huge yards. Do that two more times, and you're a yard away from a first down. So, I don't know. I, I think it's something that will be interesting to keep an eye on, especially during the Iron Bowl, and we'll talk a little bit about Mercer, but I don't want to spend too much time on it uh, this week. Um, so, I think it's something to sort of keep your eye on. Is there anything else you would like to say about the offense? Say that again. I'm sorry. I said, is there anything else you would like to say about the offense? Yeah, I guess there's two more places we can go with this. Uh, first, let's talk about Calvin Ridley. He didn't score, but I'm going to go ahead and say that this is the best game of Calvin Ridley's career. Not compl- I mean, he, he only had five receptions, but it's when he was making plays in this game, and for all intents and purposes, he had two touchdowns in this game. He was brought down at about the two and the one-yard line. This right. was his best game, if you ask me. I think it was his most clutch game. I'm not sure it was his best. Um, and I think one of my favorite plays of his this game was him coming back to the ball and drawing the offensive uh, or the defensive pass interference call on that, that was huge. third that and was long. Huge that was too, massive. Yeah. That was massive because if he doesn't come back to the ball, that doesn't get called. They would rule it uncatchable, and that's that. Um, but, yeah, he had a couple of great uh, runs. He had another catch that was ruled not a catch, but it is a catch, but it's not a catch. Yeah. Was so, because of the stepping out of bounds? But I yes, but I think he had a very clutch game, um, and that's that's what big players do. Um, well, and think about it. Okay, so Mississippi State goes up seven nothing, and what does he do? He catches a, a crossing route that he takes all the way down to about the two yard line. Right. Mississippi State goes up fourteen seven. What does he do? He uh, he does a scramble drill, gets open, takes another one about sixty three yards down to the two yard line, and then he of course uh, the fourth and fourth and fourth and uh, what was it? I think it was fourth and three, wasn't it? Well, there was a long, maybe it was a third and 13 that he had the big first down on that set up the um, Devontae Smith touchdown, the catch before that. Yes. Uh, can't remember if it was a fourth or third down at this point anymore. It was, the, it was the, third the, down. The play before the Devontae Smith. It was third down. You're right. You're right. It was about, it was third and distance. Right. So we caught it in front of the, the first down marker, and he took it you know much farther past that, setting up a nice 26-yard touchdown to win the game. Those are three season-saving type plays. Yes. The other thing I want to mention, since I said I had two things, is, um, you know, we talked about Jalen Hurts running the ball too much. All right. For all his limitations, he's getting to that point where I still trust him with my life. The dude is clutch. He has done everything to win every game he's been a part of as a starter, including the national championship. At the end of the game, 
he makes the plays he needs to make. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I was telling somebody today, is there has not been a single time in his career at Alabama where Alabama has needed him to make a drive happen, and he hasn't gotten it done. Um, Think about his first road start. You know, you go back to his first road start at Ole Miss, Ole Miss last year. Yeah, you he were made, there. We were down 20. Yeah, we were down 20, 21 points. We were down three touchdowns, and he just he turned it on at that point. He kept making the plays he needed to play. He did it this week. Um, obviously, in the fourth quarter, uh, let's let's call it what it is. You and I had stupidly um, lost faith, and I have the text in our phone to prove it. Yep, we did. We did. Well, it just felt like one of those games. It felt like a Texas A&M. It felt like a 2014 Ole Miss game where it was just, you know, their quarterback comes out in a couple plays. I mean, hats off to Nick, Nick Fitzgerald. He was having a Steven Garcia-type performance. No, know, he was and, he was amazing, and he is amazing. We've known he's good for a long time. That's, that's sort of become a reoccurring joke but between us, but it's true. He was having a game where he was playing out of his mind. He was standing on his head. We couldn't tackle him. Every, I mean, third down after third down after third down. He was clutch, too. He was amazing. He, he blew up Hootie Jones twice in the same drive. I mean, that's one of the hardest hitters on Alabama's roster, and he just absolutely leveled him. He's um, all of 6'5", 230. He's not an easy guy to bring down. No, no, he's not. Um, so that's, you know, he played a great game. Um, but, yeah, you, you mentioned it. You're exactly right. He was, he was very clutch. He was very clutch. Um, so... That's offensive side of the ball. We're we're done, correct? So let's we can move to the defense. Yes. Yeah, I think I think on offense, uh, you know, good and bad, but you know, we take them together, and a W is a W. Defense, there's a there's a bit more to talk about here. The biggest glaring mistake, and I'm glad you caught it watching the replay. About every second or third play, there was one linebacker completely either out of position, getting blocked not running towards the ball, running for the ball, not covering his man, not reading a play, not shifting with the rest of the linebackers. And say the name with me on three. Ready? One, two, three. Keith Keith Holcomb. Holcomb looked terrible Saturday night. Terrible. And I hate throwing a guy like that under the bus and saying it was all his fault. But my word, it was every second or third play. No, it was rough for him. And here's the thing. He had to be in every. He's not an every down linebacker. He's never been an every down linebacker. But with the injuries, he was asked to be an every down linebacker. Now Keith Holcomb is athletic. Um, he's not instinctual. Now when does he normally play on our defense? Because he's made plays for us before. He right. plays on passing downs. He's a covered yes. linebacker that Third has had distance, to come in and, yes. and 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 try to to cover uh, you know these uh you know this big running attack. They you know they carry the ball fifty times against us, and and he was. He just he was not ready for that. Um, he was out of place, and and you and I have both said it that we think uh, with the teams remaining on our schedule, we know they're going to run the ball. We both if if they if we got to play Auburn, and if we beat Auburn, we got to play Georgia. Those are two teams that will run the ball to death. We Dylan Moses has to be ready. Yes, someone has to step up. Whether it's Keith Holcomb figuring it out in practice this week and in the Mercer game, uh, or it's a, a combination of you know, a, a couple different guys stepping up in that role, Keith Holcomb being one of them, there has to be some sort of stop to the madness because it was just too much. It was just it was just too many mistakes on Saturday. Um, I, I, I couldn't believe we kept sending him back out there, honestly. I, I kept expecting Moses to run on the field, and he just didn't, um, which makes me wonder about his status a little bit. 
yeah, no, I, um, you know, I just, I'm with you there. So I'm going to go back to Dylan Moses. Now, I think he could be somebody that is in line for a lot here. Um, we're going to probably play him a lot on Saturday against Mercer. Um, and if Keith Holcomb keeps being out of position or getting blocked or just being generally slow, we're going to, we're going to turn the keys to him. And this could be Dylan Moses's what we need out of him is for this to be his Dante Hightower moment. Yes. Is right, Rolando McClain, Rolando McClain goes down, and uh, and this little true freshman kid that that a lot of people don't know much about comes in and you know ends up having an uh, all time career of his own. But um, this is what happens when you do lose four guys at one position. Right. This is what attrition looks like. Every t- you know everybody likes and everybody made fun of me all week. Because all week long, I would tell people at work, like, yeah, but look out, man. Alabama's, you know, they've, they got four linebackers injured. We got banged up in the FSU game and then banged up again in the LSU game. We yeah. should just stop playing state universities. But, you know, and I'm like, we got four linebackers down. They all go, well, who are you going to play? Some five-star that everybody wanted? Yeah, but. It's still a freshman. <laughs> It's, it's still this a kid. is still a freshman. This is still somebody that has never been in this moment, and we saw that. And and props to Mississippi State, man. They knew exactly what to do with it. Yeah, uh, you know, and if you go back and listen to Year Three, Episode Four or Five or whenever it was, the Florida State episode uh, or post episode, I guess the post game, I told you, well, if we were going to have players be missing from a position and have season-ending injuries from a position. I guess their linebacking core is where I would want it to be. Or our running backs. I didn't know that that meant four of them were going to go down in the same year for the season. One of them being an integral part of the defense, a very smart player, a very instinctual player, and Sean Deanna Hamilton. The others just being freakish athletes. Um, it, it's just very disappointing. It's It's very worrisome, especially turning the corner towards the playoff. Now, there's a lot of people saying, Oh well, uh, Lewis and Miller—they might be back, and uh, you know, I don't know if Saban wants to ruin sort of their opportunity as far as athletics and academics are concerned, and that's an issue not a lot of people are talking about. Is does he want to burn, you know, sort of their medical uh, year of eligibility? I I think he's going to do whatever it takes to get the win. I think if it helps the team this year today, he'll do whatever he needs to do. Uh, another name that. I mean, he's just not playing. Uh, a lot of people have asked about I've seen a lot of talk on him on message boards and Twitter. Um, if you remember the name, he was the uh, he was the the prize, our prize possession of um, of the 2016 recruiting class, Ben Davis, the top-ranked player we had, inside linebacker, legacy player, five-star Alabama, who's been a scout team player his entire career. Um, I just am bringing his name up because don't expect anything out of him. He's no. not going to he's not he's not ready and the coaches will tell you as much if if they had to. He's he's on the scout team for a reason, all right? Yes. And everybody wants to freak out. You know why isn't he doing it? You know what? A lot of people ask the same thing about Reuben Foster and Ryan Anderson and their redshirt freshman seasons as well. It's just he's don't don't bring his name up. He's not going to help fix our situation. Dylan Lee. Right? He's another name. He's another one of those guys that's great in kickoff coverage and that's awesome. And that's how I feel about Keith Holcomb. He's great in the kick return game. But I'm just not sure he's ready for that starting role. He's not ready for that spotlight, I don't think. 
Well, he has to be because he's playing. But Ben Davis is not played a snap in his career yet. He's not. He, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if they throw him in the Mercer game to see how he does. But he has not played a snap in his career yet. Right. Um, I mean, it, I think it says something that Dylan Moses, who's a true freshman, has, and and you've seen uh uh um, you know, uh, Mac come in and play as well. But uh, so. Hopefully it gets better. Hopefully a game like this, you kind of said it during your intro there, could a game like this be important? Should we say, no, this is a sign of things to come, or could this be something beneficial? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit more of an optimistic approach towards this because that's not usually, A, that's usually not what I do, and B, I, I, I truly believe this this time. I think this game was vital for a team to win a national championship. People like to remember and reminisce about the 2009 National Championship team like they were these, you know, end-all, be-all football players that never really took them off the chin. That team almost lost to both of Alabama's biggest rivals. Yep. Um, They were a Terrence Cody fat arm away from losing to Tennessee. And that was a bad Tennessee team. And a uh, Roy Upchurch a slip out of the backfield, Greg McElroy throwing probably the most important pass of his career at Alabama um, away from losing to both of those teams. Um, and those teams, that team really went on to say that, especially that Auburn game, helped propel them for the next two games. Uh, the Florida game, they were so jacked up because of 2008, um, but they knew they had to focus and had to stay focused. And then the national championship was just dealing with that adversity again. You know, Eric Cham- The championship game is closer than people like to remember as well. Yes. I, you're right. On, you're right. On, they beat Virginia Tech by 10 that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave up 20 points to Kentucky, who was terrible that year. And, yeah, a 12 to 10 final over an awful Tennessee team at home. And every, every, every Alabama team that's mattered, uh, which has been all of them essentially since Saban's been here past year one, has had games like this. Right? Let's not forget that that in uh, 2015, as much as we love that national championship team, they lost to Ole Miss, and uh, they took a last-second touchdown or a couple two minutes left on the clock touchdown to beat Tennessee that year as well. Right. Right. We were we were not happy on that pad- podcast. No, we weren't. No, we weren't. Um, it's just something that has to happen, I think, for championship teams. They just have to have – some sort of game. There's got to be some sort of game that is just, all right, this was not good. This was not what we needed. This was bad, period. End of sentence. Um, and the only team that I can think of that hasn't had that game was the 2013 FSU game. They beat everybody by 40 on their regular season schedule, and it almost caught up to them in the national championship. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think it's vital for, um, you know, not guys like Jalen Hurts and Calvin Ridley or Bill Scarborough, really anybody on that offense – I think it's vital for this defensive side to really kind of take a step back and say, all right, look, we're banged up, we're hurt. What are we going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? You know, But now this defense also knows, hey, if we get in this situation again, we can ball out. We can do it. You know, um, Rashawn Evans, after the game, I don't know if you saw the video, he was Oh, I was just about roof. to mention – I was about to mention the video. Yes, um, through the roof. Saban seemed really proud of the team. I think this is a really, really important win for Alabama that it happened like this. Now, uh, there's something I'm going to bring up after you sort of talk on that, but uh, what do you think 
about this win and what it means for this team in this season? I think it's huge. Um, this could have been a loss, and I, I frankly think even if it was a loss, it wouldn't have ended our season. But the fact that this was a win is huge because a lot of fans are acting ashamed of this win. You know who's not ashamed of this win? The players, Coach Saban. Everybody in that room was not ashamed of this win. You watch the videos, you listen to what Saban said leading up to the game where we hadn't been tested, and then you listen to what he said after the game where he was proud of his team. This team is proud of this win. Adversity. They know that it's been tough for them. They know that there's young freshmen in the defense and, and young players on offense all around that they got punched in the mouth, came back, and won a game. Right. All right. If it had been a loss, I think this would be a completely different scenario for this team. But the fact that it was a win, the fact that they came together in a crappy stadium that I hate because of the Cowbells, and they pulled out a win, that's a pride thing. That's a, that's a brother thing. And it just sickens me that there's fans. And this is what's making me mad. It sickens me that there's fans of the team that are, if not already, very close to conceding the Iron Bowl to Auburn. Yes. Like that's the same game. Yeah. Uh, the one that made me the most mad was Danny Cannell tweeted, uh, just a note, colon, Auburn beat Mississippi State 41-10, to dot, dot, dot. And someone retweeted it and put, yes, and Alabama just beat LSU last week, who then beat – or who beat Auburn three weeks ago. Where have who you lost been? lost to Troy. Exactly. Like, what? <laughs> where, are you, where are you doing with this? So let me ask you two more questions. Uh, one, do you think Mississippi State gave the blueprint to Auburn of how to beat Alabama? Whether or not they can execute or not, do you think Mississippi State kind of paved the way of, hey, if you're going to do it, this is how you need to do it? See, I, I don't know. I don't know that the Mississippi State did anything really special on offense. Uh, they, they confuse us a bit on defense at times, and, and a lot of teams have done that to us, let's be honest. We haven't been uh, world beaters every single game, every single quarter. When no. we're good, we're great, but we're not world beaters all the time. Okay, so back to defense. I think they just played a hell of a ball game, to be honest. Their running back was pretty awesome, and, and Nick Fitzgerald just – He's a six foot five, two hundred thirty pound quarterback. Well, and it's, it's I'm, also, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. I'm just gonna go there. Oh boy, I'm I'm gonna go there because I felt like this a long time, and I'm I'm about to play a card that that a lot of people think of the wrong way. I think if Nick Fitzgerald was black, I think the attitude toward him would be completely different from a mm. lot of people, from a lot of Alabama fans, from a mm. lot of fans all around. He is he's a very, very, very good quarterback that has an argument as the best quarterback in the conference. It's yeah, no, it's interesting. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you Now know. Jarrett Stidham has some good qualities to him as well. He's 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 a he's a good downfield passer. Here's he's here's my thing definitely improved as the years gone on. Right. Here's my thing of the difference between Mississippi State and Auburn. Mississippi State's offensive line is the best Alabama will face all season until the playoff. Um, I, they're so talented. They're so big. They're so experienced. It reminds me of that Arkansas offensive line from a couple years ago who just had nobody behind them um, in the 2015 game. I mean, just really nobody there. Uh, or maybe it was 2014. Great offensive line. Nothing else really behind it. This Mississippi State team has a great quarterback two very good running backs and a decent wide receiving core behind it. Um, 
you know, and there's some miscues on defense. I don't know why a tight end is able to blow past Ronnie Harrison on one of those plays. I don't he bit, know. He bit on the run. He just he, he was sold out to. I don't to know stop why. Yes, but that shouldn't happen. Is what I'm saying. This late in the season, things like that shouldn't happen. But as we've already said, this is a good thing uh, to see for this defense to kind of take a step back and say, all right, how do we fix this? I do think Mississippi State's given the blueprint. I, I, if you ask me, I truly do. Now, whether or not Auburn can execute it or any team can execute it, I don't know. But I think you've got to keep the ball out of Alabama's hands. You've got to establish some sort of run game, and you've got to have a quarterback that's going to play out of his mind. Don't turn the ball over, and you do those things, and I think you can beat Alabama. You know, And it's I make it sound like, oh, that's such an easy to-do list. It's not, and I get that. But at the same time, there's not really a better way to beat this team. Okay, I can agree with you there. Yeah, keep the ball out of Alabama's hands, which I still think some of those touchdown drives from Mississippi State were a bit fluky. I I, I, I keep bringing this up, but that leaping penalty at the start of the game after our first three and out, you know, we stop them on two straight passes, and then uh, Rashawn Evans with a beautiful blitz to sack. Right, and the then we get a blitz. leaping penalty. Yep. R- 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 completely ridiculous penalty to have in college football, by the way. Um, that led to them flipping the field. It, anyway, no, yeah. if you keep the ball out of our hands, that's a great way to beat us because we want to do the same thing to you. Um, but the thing is, it's not going to shake out that way potentially. Or it could. It could go exactly the same way. But people that think that go, oh, Auburn just you know beat Georgia by running the ball very well and playing good defense and stopping the run and – it's not going to be that same game as no. Mississippi State was because now, there's complete. They're different offenses, right? And they're different quarterbacks, and they're different skill sets. And honestly, I think we've kind of uh, our eyes have been opened a little bit. Now, let me ask you. This is the last question I wanted to ask on this podcast, and I'm dead serious when I say it, and I want you to think about it. Can Alabama still make the playoff, losing a game the rest of the season? That's a good question. Um, losing a game, yes, I think they can. I think it depends on what happens. Obviously, they need probably a little bit of help if it's the loss to Auburn. Um, because at this point, not even going to your conference championship hurts, even though it didn't hurt Ohio State last year. I still think it could hurt. Uh, close loss to Georgia, I still think they get in. Um, because that's, you know two one-loss SEC teams that played each other like that. I think they can. Either either way, just depends on what shakes out the rest of the year. Um, right. Uh, I think that they would need either Clemson or Miami to get blown out in one of the ACC championship games, so either Miami or Clemson needs to get blown out. Um, I think Oklahoma might need to maybe drop a game in there or play some uninspired football. I hope they do because they're one of the teams I think could beat us. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Here's here's my thing. I do not see of a way of Alabama making it to the playoff if Auburn is to win the Iron Bowl. And as infuriating and unfair as that is, that is the way that this four-team playoff is run. Who are the best four teams as of right now? And it's going to be – there's going to be hell to pay, and I think it'll start the wheels of the conversation if one of two things happens. If Auburn beats Alabama and Alabama still makes it in with Auburn, or how about this scenario? Auburn beats Alabama, Alabama beats Georgia, and then you've got Georgia as the first team out. 
You mean you mean hold on. Auburn beats Alabama, and then what? Auburn beats Alabama. Alabama beats or excuse me, excuse me. Sorry. Auburn beats Alabama. Auburn beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. And then you've got Georgia as the first team out. Despite the yeah, fact think, that both teams have lost to Georgia. Or yeah, I mean, Georgia, Georgia can't lose to Auburn again because they're not going to put a team in the playoff with Auburn that's already lost to one of the teams twice. Just right. Happen. Sure. And that's, I'm not so – honestly, I'm also maybe uh, – I'm not off the Georgia train yet, but I think that they also need to not overlook Georgia Tech. Um, yes. Because they had a lot of hard time stopping the run, and what does Georgia Tech do? Um, well, and Georgia Tech lit up Virginia Tech this weekend through the air. Yeah. I mean, they had That's two touchdowns point. that went 30-plus yards through the air. So right. so, I, so let's let's think of it this way. So let's say it's a two-point loss to Auburn. I hate talking about losses, but we're playing the what-if game here. Sure. Um, say it's a two-point loss to Auburn. And then another pretty big win for, for, uh, for Auburn against Georgia. Right, at the, just at, at that point, our only loss is a is a couple points to Auburn, who is a team that has surged, that is playing like a top team in the nation. How do you convince me that we're not a top four team? Our losses to a team that's in the playoff, Oklahoma's losses to a team that's Iowa State, Clemson lost to Pitt. How do you right. do that? Right. If, you, if it's the best four, it's the best four. I, I don't know. There's too many. Yeah, Too go many ahead. Different variables here. But. Go ahead and give me this best four though. Auburn, you know, let's say Auburn wins by 10, 17 against Alabama, right? Let's let's just say that happens, okay? Who loses then, by 10? Yeah, loses by 10 or 17. Let's say that in the Iron Bowl. Then Auburn plays Georgia and loses in the SEC Championship game. Does anyone from the SEC get in in that scenario? Yes, Georgia. Georgia, Georgia definitely gets in with that. They won the conference. They had one. They they would chalk that up to a bad week that they made amends for in the in the title game. I just don't think. Um, my point is, I don't think it's fair because Alabama has won so far this season. If Alabama is going to lose, it should have been this weekend. That would have been the prime time to lose. Now there's no turning back. I think if you're Alabama, you cannot lose the rest of the season and still expect to make the playoff. Oh, at that point, your expectation gets thrown out the window. At that point, you're, you, we keep, you can't expect to. You, they might, depending on the rhetoric. I think the media has a lot of pull in that, honestly. Um, just the rhetoric that's formed after the loss, it, it just depends. I mean, it just depends on what kind of loss it is. It depends on how they look. I mean, this is all stuff that's completely broken down uh, to a fault at times. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, go undefeated. That's the best way to do it. Uh, I still think we win the Iron Bowl, but I think no, it's I more agree. of a dog. It, it's more of a it's more of a dog fight than we originally thought. This is a, something that only Auburn could do in in the course of a month. How do you go from, hey, we might need to fire our coach to win out and we're in the playoff in yeah. in a month? It's that's Auburn. Auburn for played you. LSU in October, and after that game, I know a lot of Auburn fans that were. Wanting to get off the Gus bus. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I think a lot of it's name recognition. I think a lot of it's obsession over the college football playoff poll in the first two weeks of it being released, um, and and thinking highly of a Georgia team because they had beaten a Notre Dame team. That oh wait, that Notre Dame team isn't that good. 
okay, well, then how good is Georgia? Okay, well, then how good is Auburn? You know, so it's just it's very tough. How good is Miami? You know, it's going to be tough to kind of look at, and I think the next three weeks are going to be very interesting for college football. Okay, we can't completely ignore the Mercer game, which is kind of what we've done up until this point. Let me just ask you, real quick bullet point, what do you want to see from the Mercer game as far as Alabama is concerned? I want a team. I want a team that 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 come came comes back and has a singular focus, the kind of singular focus that we saw um, from the 2015 and even the 2016 team. They, that was a focus team that just lost again. I want to see the same focus we've had the last couple of years. Um, I want to see uh, the linebackers just come out and take care of business. I mean, I want to see as close to a perfect game as possible. It's Mercer that we're playing. Um, it's an 11 o'clock kickoff from Tuscaloosa noon if you're all the way in the eastern time zone uh, like yourself um, and no injuries honestly that's that's my main thing is yep. no injuries yep don't get anybody important hurt please uh, no I want to see the defense step up um, I'd like to see um, some of the guys that we mentioned who, who really need to make an impact um, step up and sort of uh, Take the bull by the horns to say. Um, oh, and something, something for you. Sorry, before I forget to say it. Um, if we throw the ball a lot in this game, I want you to know that that's not because we hate running the ball. Still, I think we will throw a lot in this game for I the benefit too. of these freshman receivers. Yes, I, I agree, and I think it's to figure things out before the Iron Bowl, or to at least give Auburn something to sweat about. Um, no, Auburn's going to try to force us to throw. That yes. will be their game plan. Yes. That's why we need to throw the ball a lot this weekend. If we yes. throw the ball 35 times, if Jalen Hurts is still slinging in the third quarter and he's throwing, as long as it's not to Calvin Ridley, I'm fine. Yeah. Calvin Ridley doesn't need to play past the first quarter. He knows how to catch the ball. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I completely agree. Um, so that's what I'd like to see out of the Mercer game. Uh, is there anything you want to say about Alabama before we wrap this episode up? No, let's go ahead. Let's wrap it up. Okay, uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I've got one more thing that we should mention. The uh, Dog Shelter of the Week is the Animal Protection Society of Durham in Durham, North Carolina. That's where the lovely Jade Stoner lives. Uh, did some research out there um, with some groups and kind of was just poking my nose around a little bit, uh, to use a dog pun. Um, really, really uh, great shelter, awesome website where you can go and adopt or you know donate, volunteer, etc they've got a great little lost and found section where they you know kind of go through the lost pets they update it every single day uh, if they get a pet that's brought uh they find it in the street whatever you know you can kind of look through that page and just kind of keep that up which is something nice the other thing that really caught my eye was the tales at twilight which is kind of cute they're doing it november 18th 2017 you can go to their website if you're interested in uh purchasing seats it's like a like a little elegant like ball sort of thing but there's still it's like an adoption event, so it's really nice. It's 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 they've got raffle tickets and everything like that. Durham's a really cool city, uh. So so check them out. Um, they're they're really really good people from what it seems like. Uh, if you're interested in adopting or donating, you can call nine one nine five six zero zero six four zero. Again, that's nine one nine five six zero zero six four zero. Uh, they also do spay and neuters. So there you go. That's that's your that's your dog shelter of the week. Uh, I like it. One thing I do want to mention before yes. before we wrap up is uh is uh, Alabama basketball actually had their home opener today. Uh, they're two and zero on Allen this season. 
86-64, the reason this is worth mentioning. A win over Lipscomb, by the way, is this our first look at a guy that I've been hyping up forever. Colin Sexton, as good as advertised. He was, of course, suspended in the first game in the win over Memphis. He played tonight, 22 points, 7 of 10 shooting, uh, 5 assists. Very good game, aside from some free throw woes in the second half, early in the second half, where Lipscomb made it close. Alabama ran away with this one. I say this because I'm in. I'm buckled up. This is going to be a fun season. This, right. regardless, this team is going to lay a couple eggs because they're so young, and they're going to lose to some teams they shouldn't, and they're going to lose to Arizona for sure. But this is going to be a fun season that Alabama no, basketball hey, has not had in forever. Win your conference tournament, and we can see what we can do from there. That's what I'll say. I think, how, this, I think this. I think this is a tournament team. I hope so. I hope you're right. It, it's always fun when they go there and don't play Creighton. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you want to get with us on social media, we are at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference on Facebook. At P-I underscore podcast on Twitter. You can go to our website at patsinterference.com. You can listen from SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes. Go ahead and feel free to leave us an iTunes review. That's really how we grow our brand. Uh, and that's kind of what iTunes looks at as far as a uh, ranking system and Things like that are concerned, uh, and we're, we're really trying to get more listeners and get uh, more people to sort of listen in on Pat's Interference and hear what us two dum-dums have to say about college football. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Be looking for the national episode later this week. And Brick, most importantly, roll tide.